Hello, everyone. It's Michelle Jackson here to host yet another great interview with an author who is an historian who is writing books to really shed light on the life and legacy of someone in his family that is very near and dear to him. And that is his aunt, Estella, who is from Money, Mississippi. Our guest tonight um, is, well, today is um, Mr. Sylvester Boyd, and he is here to talk about his book series, four book series called The Road from Money. Uh, he's going to talk to us about his aunt, her life, her legacy, as well of his, as well as his experience writing his book. Um, he's going to stay with us and talk about some of the other great things that he's doing in Chicago, which is where he's from, where his aunt lived after leaving Mississippi and being faced with so many different challenges in the state of Mississippi and moving to Chicago and becoming someone who excelled in so many different areas. And I'm just excited that we get this opportunity to meet him and to learn about her and to learn about this commitment that he made to write four books about her. And it, these books will be something that will live beyond, you know, probably the whole generation, this whole generation of his family into the next. And so that's what's so important about it. So right now we're going to welcome Sylvester to the screen. How are you? Hi, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you so much for being with us on the Black Writers Workspace. As you know, uh, we are a community of writers and our goal is to get to know other writers. Our goal is to share resources. It is to uh, create and position ourselves in order to make sales for our books because most of us are newer independent authors. And so we're so excited to have you. Uh, and so we wanted to just welcome you to the Black Writers Workspace on screen series and to talk about your work, The Road from Money. So uh, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me and I'm delighted to be here. Excellent, excellent. We wanna learn about your four book series, but in addition, we wanna learn about the over 100 movies and shows that you've been an extra for. I'm so excited to hear about that because you're doing some dynamic things. And I think a lot of us, you know, we're all creative and artistic in our own ways, but a lot of times we get in one lane and we stay in that lane. But it seems to me like you are now, you, you're an actor, you're a writer, you're a historian, and you are a businessman and a motivational speaker. So all of those things are excellent. And a teacher also. Oh, and a teacher. I, I, it's, I can't, it's too many things. That's a long title. So that's, that's excellent. So tell us a little bit about yourself and then let's talk about some of the work that you've done. Well, I was born here in Chicago, Illinois, and uh, I'm giving my age. I was born back in 1943 in the middle of World War II, so I got a few gray hairs on me. But uh, life has been good to me, and uh, I've uh, tried to enjoy it as, as, as life, I always say, is a journey. And uh, you've got to enjoy the journey. Smell the roses as you go by them. Absolutely. Absolutely. You look excellent. I just want to, you know, when they say black, don't crack. Yes, uh, you are dynamic. That's my mother was born in 43. And so that is uh, it's good to see you and good to know that you're still active and doing so many great things. Uh, you're a great inspiration for many of us. Talk to us about your book series. OK, my book series started upon uh, my aunt's passing. Uh, I thought she had done such a, uh, she was like a second mother to me. 
she raised me, so I had two mothers. And, uh, you know, my mother, my birth mother, was uh, her baby sister. So, uh, but my mother had several kids. We had, she had seven kids. And uh, so I was the oldest of uh, my mother's kids. And she took both my mother's oldest child, which was me, and her brother's older child, and she had no children, so we were kind of like her kids, kind of her surrogate kids. Um, she t took us to plays and movies, and um, gave me a, a great uh, insight into culture, various cultures. She was a very sophisticated lady, very stern in a way, but the sweetest lady you want to meet in another way. So she always liked her. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyatt, sort of. But I loved her to death, and uh, that's what the book uh, started from. She was born, my family came from Money, Mississippi. And I don't know if my your readers knew anything about Money, Mississippi. It was the start of the Civil Rights Movement. It was uh, in the year 1955, Emmett Till was killed and thrown in the Tallahatchie River. Uh, it said that he whistled at a white woman. He was thrown in the river and mutilated. And uh, all my folks were from that little town in, in, in Money, in Mississippi. Uh, my book, the first book is set in Money, Mississippi. The whole story is in, in Money, Mississippi of the first book. Then the Great Migration happened. They, she, because of the abominable treatment that African-Americans received in the South, many of them went west, many of them came no, north. Uh, and so she was part of the Great Migration, which we talk about in, in the first book. Uh, the first book ends with her leaving the South. So the... Uh, it start. It opens with a mood drawn wagon in Money, Mississippi. So I'll give you that little insight into it. And the whole story is in the South. The things that happened in the South. It wasn't all bad. There was picnics and there was field days and you know. But I won't give you too much of it. But that's sort of the first book. Uh, the second book, she arrives in Chicago and she sells it in the uh, West Side of Chicago for a while. Uh, she came after my uncle who uh, had to take a boxcar out of the South. He had to leave uh, in a hurry. I won't give you the insight to why that was, but uh, he had to leave in a hurry. Um, and the third book kind of gets uh, get into the Great Dust Bowl and uh, the uh, things that happened in the Great Depression, 1929. She came to Chicago in 1937, but uh, it, it touches upon the Great Dust Bowl, the Great uh, uh, Depression. It talks about World War II. She was Rosie the Riveter in World War II, so contributing to the American story. This is an American story. It's not just of African Americans, but it has little tinges of women's history, uh, African American history, American history. And always, being a historian, I always say we only have one history, but we chop it up in a million pieces. Everybody, Absolutely. Every, every racial group who has settled in, 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 a, in the United States has contributed to the United States. And not only settled, the Native Americans were here and going back thousands of years. So we've all contributed to the country. But the story that we get omit a lot of who we are as a nation. Uh, that I try to capture in my book. I try to show who did what, when, why. And uh, I try to keep it truthful as possible. And uh, in, the, in the last book in the series will be issued in uh, the upcoming spring. So I'm at page 44 of the fourth book in the series. 
So tell me, Sylvester, about your aunt's accomplishments. Um, talk to us a little bit about the things that she was able to do that impressed upon you that these were things that the next generation and the next generation needs to know about. Well, she was number one. She 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 was not a PhD in school. My grandmother was not a PhD in school. My grandmother had a sixth grade education. One of the smartest people I ever knew with a sixth grade education. Uh, my aunt uh, had a well. She was uh, she came out of high school when she, uh, she she should have been. You know, she was old when she came out. She was you know because they got held back because they had to chop cotton and they had to do the work in the field, they, they weren't able to uh, go through school in a normal progression of years. So they were all kind of held back. But uh, she was a person that perseverance was, uh, I will say, a hallmark, one of her hallmarks. Uh, and the belief that you could do anything that, that, that anybody else did. Now you gotta remember, she's coming out of the South and she's not seen a lot of African-Americans uh, being, uh, you know, at the head of the table, so to speak, or being included in the history book. But uh, the whole family was kind of like that, uh, that they believed in education. They used to say education is the key to the door and you can't go through the door without the education. And that's the way and I- from what I, And from what I read, um, she was well accomplished um, in business. Is that correct? Yes, yeah. well, she got a break. She married my uncle Sidney, who could, if you looked at him, he looked, white so she a lot of uh, uh things accrued to her in the years of the 30s and the 40s that wouldn't normally accrue to an african-american she got around the red line and some of the other things that uh, were part of the american culture at that time um, due to the fact that he bought property and naturally her being his wife she, uh, she partook in that property uh, he passed away in the same year that emmett till was killed and uh, all the property that he owned accrued to her. So she had an advantage, but she was smart enough to take advantage of the advantage and go forward with it. So she owned several apartment buildings in Chicago. And uh, then she took the buildings and she made smaller units, which made more profit for her. And uh, that, you know, she was a great businessman. She had a good business head on her shoulders. Uh, she also uh, traveled extensively uh, through the world. And that's where I got my sense of travel. And I've traveled quite extensively too. But uh, she traveled uh, quite extensively. She actually stood on the Great Wall of China. Uh, she went to Singapore. She went to uh, Haiti. She went and she would tell me stories of what the people did in these various places. And when I was a little boy, you know, the, the four way places and Green sounding names made me very interested in geography. Now I have a degree in geography and history. That's my degrees. So she definitely influenced my life. And I, it, uh, she runs all through the, the parts of my life that I, as I look back. Uh, it's not I want everybody to know. Yeah, I want everybody to know that Sylvester is going to be at our Black Ink Virtual Book Fair this Saturday from 10 to 2 p.m. Um, it is 100% virtual and you can come on board and actually talk with him for free. Um, all you have to do is register at boothcentral.com. I stopped you there because you said something that really stuck, that really got to me. And that is the idea of someone influencing 
your own growth and your own um, your own helping you to pave your own path. And I think all of us, I'm hoping that many of us have those people in our lives. You have people who will um, make you feel like the best thing for you to do is to stay still because that's what they did. And a lot of that is because of fear. And then you have those people who come about, who show you that the world is bigger, that you can do anything that you want to do. They don't just tell you that you can do anything, but they show you that you can do anything. And it sounds like that's the kind of woman that Estella uh, was. And I'm so happy that you were able to write this book uh, because I think a lot of us, there are people in our lives that we miss that opportunity to share those great stories with. Um, and it sounds like your aunt, you know, was someone who embodied true strength and grit. And um, tell me, what do you really think was the driving force behind her? And what probably happened? Give me a little tidbit of a story from her Mississippi experiences that really forced her or pushed her to be so outgoing? Do you think there was there was that connection there? Well, I got to go back behind her. I got to go back to my great grandfather, who was just a little bit uh, from slavery. So uh, uh, the family had a, a drive forward, not just my aunt, but it, she got it from her mother and my grandfather's great grandfather. So it was a, a situation where they would never tell you that anybody was better than you. That 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 would just inculcated me in me from a young child onward. Uh, that if somebody else did it, you can do it too. Now it may not be easy, and it may be twice as hard for you to do it. But if you got enough ambition, you can do whatever you want to do in this world. And uh, they had a thing about the color. You know, we, we they they told me stories of of how uh, there were family members who were uh, cousins of white people and how that was erased. And uh, then I had some uh, people in my family who were part Indian. And so I got it from a lot of different ways. And I really got a, a, a early on education into America. And that's why I ended up in geography and history. Uh, the, the innate thing about not being lesser than. And my aunt used to, and my grandmother used to always say, ain't nobody lesser than, boy, don't you tell me about being lesser than. That you're not lesser than. Uh, the person who thinks they're better than you is the one that have the problem, not you. So I was raised up with those kinds of uh, little things. My grandmother used to say a lot of things that today I look and I say, boy, she was almost a genius. You know, but when she said it, it was just an old lady and, you know, I'm a young kid, so I uh, didn't pay as much attention. But I will say that I paid a lot of attention because uh, the books are based on the words uh, that were delivered to me by the generations before. Uh, my books all start out with the dedication to the people that came across the Middle Passage, uh, the generation before, and knowing uh, what they went through and some of their trials and tributations make me uh, who I am. And so, you know, th this is the background that, that I go into when, when I write the book. I, I write it from not uh, so much what I'm doing today or what's going on today. I write it from what's been told and the historical value of what's been told. I think too, too often we lose the historical value of our ancestors. Today, that's part of the disconnect between the youth and the older people. I was young and I had sense enough to listen to my grandmothers, my aunts and my uncles. But today the young people don't seem to have that same respect for the, the, 
the wisdom of, of the of the ones who have been here much longer. Well, that wisdom has carried us as a people through so much heartache and, and has gotten us through from generation to generation. We have to always listen and learn from that wisdom. I mean, from everything. I I love everything that you've said, and I really think that it's amazing to have someone here who's done something that I would love to do, which is to stop um, myself with all the working and sit down and write a book about the things that I've learned. I've just, I mentioned to you before we came on, I'm from Alabama and my, my father is 89 years old. And the stories that he tells me now about his childhood, um, it's just so amazing because he was a rebel. He was someone always pushing against the grain. And he raised me in, in many of the same ways. It was like, you can do it, you can do it. And I just, I really believe that because he told me that. But my father tells me stories that are, it, it doesn't even sound right. You know, he was always excelling at his job. He was a blue collar worker, uh, worked in factories, but he was always a supervisor. And he would tell me how um, the white people would put nooses on his desk. And he found a snake, you know, in his chair and things that he had to endure, things that he had to deal with. And I always wonder how would I have dealt with those things? Well, I've had to, to face racism in many ways as well. And, and so it's good to see that you are going back and telling these stories because although people don't appear to listen, trust me, when you get to that place in life where you're confused about what to do, you begin to reach back. You begin to think about what grandmama said and what granddaddy said and what auntie told you. And so that's good to know that you're really um, memorializing those stories. So for you as a motivational speaker, as a teacher, as a, an extra on over a hundred movies, all the things that you've done, I see that that was definitely inspired by your family. What are you hoping that the world will learn from, from your aunt's experiences that you learned? I mean, what is it that what is the key takeaway from these four books? Well, I hope that they learn that we're all human. Uh, I hope that they learn that there's only one race on the face of the earth, and that's Homo sapiens, uh, and we're all part of the human race. Uh, we're not animals, we're, we're human beings. And uh, from my perspective, being a historian, from my perspective, I know some, I've been from Denmark to Norway, from Norway to Venezuela, from Venezuela to Canada, all the Caribbean islands. I'm not going to, Hawaii, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and enumerate all the places I've been. So I've had the experience that a lot of people don't have of being able to see other cultures and other places and other ways of being. Uh, that has, has tremendously influenced me. But the bottom line is you don't have to, you can look at TV, you can look at public TV and travel uh, as much as I did uh, and physically. So, I mean, there's, there's no reason for a person not to be able to, to look at the world around them. What I've learned is that uh, when somebody tries to hold you back, it's their problem. They have a problem. You, I don't have a problem. If somebody has a problem with race, religion, skin color, all those things that, all the isms that we have, uh, it's not because it's your, you're not the problem. They're the problem. I mean, we all come in the world. Nobody picks their parents. That's number one. So all racism is foolish. At that point, if there's a point that I went to that I could just see the foolishness in it. 
And I also saw the fear of, of a group of people. Uh, you fear what you don't know. You, 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 I also saw a lot of greed as I read history. I see greed, I see fear. Uh, racism is based a lot on great on greed, as much as this color of skin. Everybody says color of skin. Well, we built we built the country. The Indians built the country. The Mexicans helped build a country, but we we eliminated it and don't get much of the benefits of our work. We built the White House. You know, we, as I travel around the country and as I go around the world, but in the United States, we actually built this country. And so, you know, I'm proud. This is my country, and nobody can tell me any different. When I fly an American flag, uh, that means that those are my ancestors that did, did just as much to make this country as anybody else. The Indians actually owned the country, and it was taken from them. So when you get a real sense of who, what, and where, the problem has been, and people don't like to say it, but the white man has been a problem. He has the problem. It's not me that has the problem. He has a problem. Uh, you have with res- disrespecting other groups. Uh, you don't disrespect people and respect expect them to give you respect. Uh, if you disrespect me, then you can get resentment. That's the next thing. Disrespect me on one hand and resentment comes on the other. And most black people and brown people in America have a resentment against their own country. You want to love your country. My, co- my question is not whether I love America. Does America love me? But then it's not for you to say who I am. I say who I am. And that, that's the way I was raised. And uh, I wish we could get that point across to more people, more of the black and brown people in this country. It's not for others to say who they are. You say who you are. And you, you don't say who you are. What you do tells people who you are. My brother says it all the time that black people are magical. And uh, we are magic people. We're magical people. And, and I have always believed that. But we have to embody that. We have to know that. And we have to live that. And that becomes a challenge as well. We are Americans. I mean, I, it, it, it bothers me so. And I am a military wife. OK, so when you talk about love of country, you know, my husband was in the army for 30 years. So there is a love of country. And it bothers me so much sometimes when people talk about patriots. And they're not talking about the black soldiers or the black people who fought or the black people who served, who black people who built this country. We are patriots, in my opinion, more than anybody, because we have been so dedicated. And even in in regards to resentment, I mean, we're not at war with anyone, um, to be honest with you. We're fighting for what's right, but we're not at war. And we with everything that has happened to our race to black people from slavery on to the Indians and even to the the uh, Latinas and Hispanic people, we can all be angry enough to fight. And we're not fighting. We're trying to find a middle ground, I feel like, um, and, and trying to find a way that we can live in this country and all uh, be treated fairly. And that's all we're asking for. So I love that what you're doing with your books. And I love that you're trying to um, memorialize her life as a way to show that She's just a woman who was committed to living and having a good life. And she gave that over to you. She instilled good things into you and to other people around her, like so many women have done over the years. Like I said, I'm a Southern woman. I grew up with strong Black women. I grew up in public housing. My mother raised four kids working um, as a Head Start teacher, making little to no money for 36 years. Um, I know that strength 
you know, but my mother also carried a great deal of fear because that fear is what comes into you when you see that that you're marginalized and you know that there are people out there pushing you down. Your aunt was able to overcome those fears to have a really amazing life. And I'm just happy to know that you were able to document it. So tell us now about the other things. Talk to us about the movies, because I'm just so interested to learn about some of the other things that you're doing. I think the people out here uh, would also do that. And everyone, just remember, you can meet Sylvester Boyd this Saturday in his virtual booth at the Black Writers Workspace um, uh, book fair that will take place on Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So tell us about your movies. Uh, the movies are sort of uh, something just happened and I always say opportunity is uh, something that's fleeting and if you don't take advantage of it it doesn't sit around and wait for, for you to do it it just moves on real quickly uh, I was walking down the street here in Chicago downtown uh, one day and a guy says hey how would you like to be in the movie so you know I'm saying this guy's a crackpot you know I mean you know somebody comes in yeah, okay, this guy's gonna put me in the movie. He gave me a little flyer, it looked, it looked legit. And I, said, I took it, and he said, uh, they're, They need some extras for a movie. Uh, and uh, would you be interested? I said, Yeah, well, let me let me think about it, you know. And I started to tear it up. Then the other man says, Just let's, let's see where this goes. So the next day, I had a little time on my hand, so I, I, I took it out. And it was up on the north side. So I said, okay, I'll take a little drive and, uh, and go up there and see what this is all about. I drove up on the north side and uh, there was a lot of people. I said, oh yeah, okay, this is, it's like big people, little people, fat people, skinny people, black people, white people, every kind of people you could have. And if you ever seen some of these uh, talent programs, there was a lot of land like that. Yeah, I got a real chance of being doing this. This is just a waste of my day. Okay, I you know I, I'll go fill out the paperwork and whatever. So I filled out the paperwork, had a little lunch, came on back home. Make a long story short, two weeks later the phone rang, and the uh, it was the casting company, and they said, "Are you Sylvester?" But I said, "Yeah." He says, "Well, you fill out some paperwork uh, to be an extra in the movie, and we have uh, they have cast you as a security guard at the United Center here in the motion picture." Uh, the Dilemma, which uh, if you want to rent it, I guess you can rent it. The Dilemma. Vince Vaughn. I started out with the biggest people. Renona Ryder, Jennifer Connelly, Kevin James, Queen Latifah, all in that movie. So I started out having a scene in one of the big, uh, with some of the biggest stars in Hollywood. Since I've been uh, an extra, I've done it for about 10 years now, I've been on with uh, just a whole host of folks that... Uh, with uh, the names that you name top name stars, Javadi P. Hinton, you know, Taraji, everybody knows Taraji. Well, I'm going to move with him, uh, with her. Uh, Terrence Howard. Uh, I was in, I was in uh, about 20 episodes of Empire, the series Empire with Terrence Howard and all the stars there. I was actually a, a, a core extra, which, which is a step above just starting. I was promoted in a couple of movies to core actor. Extra, and that means that you're right there with the stars. So, uh, you know, I was in 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 the movies, not the star, but the lower rungs of the movies. I've, I've done ten years of that. Very interesting. We travel around uh, different points in the city, 
Chicago PD, I've done it, Chicago Fire, uh, the Motion Picture Dilemma, Transformers 3, uh, uh, just, uh, you know, probably 100, I can't enumerate the 100, but uh, quite a few movies. Matter of fact, tomorrow this time I'll be on a movie set. Uh, that's so amazing i love that i love that creative people are being creative right you're we're like not just we're writing we're we're we're, we're in movies we're doing plays all these things what makes the black writers workspace so exciting to me is because i get to meet people who are doing some exciting things like this so you know you're someone who was not afraid to walk through a door of opportunity, which is something that I, I always say to myself, I believe in walking through those doors of opportunity. If nothing else, what can they say is all they can say is no, right? But if it works out, then you have 10 years to talk about being with Latifah and all these other amazing actresses and actors. And I love that, uh, that you were willing to walk through that door of opportunity, not just with the movies and the shows, but also with the writing as well. So well, I want you to, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to get my books into a, a TV miniseries. That's, that's uh, something that's on the agenda uh, or motion picture. So that, uh, I'm looking forward to some of those things. And, and going back a little bit, digressing a little bit, and you were talking about military service. I have my baby daughter, 22 years as an officer in the military. So, uh, you know, there's a contri contribution to, to the United States of America. My aunt during World War II, the one the book's about, she was Rosie DeRipper and worked in the defense plant, making engines for, for, for aircraft. So all through my life, I've seen the contribution that my family and many, many, many other uh, African-American families have made. And, uh, you know, that is, a, I took a course once in school called History's Omission. And it was fabulous. I mean, it, it, it talked about the things that aren't shown, the things that are not said, the things that are taken out. And I was also given books when I was a young kid to, to show the, you know, like Joe Lewis and uh, the, the African-Americans that were contributing to Tuskegee Airmen. So when I was a young kid, I was raised with the pride of our race. We, when, you, when you look at me, you look at a I'm a very proud American, but I'm also a very proud African-American. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of where I came from. And I hope when I leave here, the legacy that I leave, I can be proud of that. Well, you are making so many of us proud um, by continuing to do the things that you're doing. And I feel the same way. I am a proud American, but I am also a very proud African-American and a proud woman um, in America. And those are the things that I stand by and that's very important to me. I want to just encourage everyone to please go and buy um, Sylvester's book series. He says three books that are out now and the fourth one that is coming at the bottom of the screen. You can see where to go to purchase The Road from Money. You can visit his website at boydbooks.net to purchase those books. And you can also meet him this Saturday. So I always ask our speakers or our interview uh, the people that we interview about your publishing process. Did you self-publish your books? Um, and how do you market your books? Yes, my, my books are uh, self-published. Uh, okay. Uh, Reputation Press is my publisher, and I'm trying to work with them. Uh, you know, the deal is that uh, when you uh, have the rights to your 
intellectual property. Uh, there's we're working on trying to do a book deal with with, with a publisher, uh, somebody to buy the intellectual rights, which could be lucrative. So I mean, those those things you get into. Uh, I've done a lot of other things that it, that we didn't mention. I worked for American Airlines for twelve years out of the world's busiest uh, airport or airfield. Uh, I was a school teacher for five years. Uh, so. I'm one who always believes that, uh, like you said about the door, you open the door, see what's behind it. If you don't like it, you move on. Uh, and uh, that's just the way that I was raised. And it just, it's something that's innate in me to take risks. With nothing ventured, nothing came. And, and that's Absolutely. a lot of, and a lot of people don't get that. Uh, you know, you can work on a job for 20 years and think you got job security, and one day a guy shows up with a pink slip and you're out the door. And uh, I always uh, uh, try to take my own destiny into my own hands. I always try to think for myself. If you tell me something, I'll listen. But then the ultimate decision, what I do with that bit of information is going to be up to me. Whether I do the right thing or wrong thing with it is going to be ultimately up to me. And uh, I think not enough people do that. They follow the leaders, and leaders can lead you off a cliff. And being a historian, I've seen leaders uh, in history, like Adolf Hitler, and the emergence of people who just follow the leader. Adolf Hitler had a lot of people who said, they hide behind him. And so you got to watch who you follow, why are you following them, and what have they done to prove that they're worthy of you following and I think in this age of social media, that comment is so important to talk about who you follow um, and understanding who the person is and why you're following them and why are you being influenced by that person? Because we hear those terms now more than anything. Who's an influencer? Who's following? Who's liking? It's important to have your own mind. I mean, I think you just spoke something that I hope a lot of people will hear and understand that we have to pay attention to the people that we follow. And we have to never be afraid to walk through those doors of opportunity because you don't know what's on the other side. I am the same way. I was in corporate world for a very long time. And you're absolutely right. Now I'm a business owner and what I do, I own. And that means so much more to me um, than anything else. I don't have to make the big, the big check. I don't need to bring home the big check as much as I want to be able to own what I have and to leave that as a legacy to my son. So I think that, you know, what you're doing is, is great. And I feel like your books are the types of books that will live way beyond, you know, this generation and will be a lesson to generations ahead about how you fight and how you overcome hard times. Because moving from the South to the North um, during those times, being, you know, in the world during the Great Depression, if you ever notice, and I know you know this as a historian, but you never really, I never really see black people talked about when it comes to the Great Depression. I only hear about what happened to the white community. But as you know, if the white community was suffering economically, I can only imagine what the black community, how the black community was suffering. And that's something we don't hear a lot about. So it's good to know that you're telling these stories because these stories need to be told. So I'm going to give you the, the, an opportunity to leave some nuggets of wisdom to our writers and to our readers. Okay, well, there's a story everywhere. Stories are everywhere. Everybody has a, a 
history that they can uh, go back to, uh, family history or just your own personal history, and do a memoir. Uh, don't be afraid to pick up the pen and, and do something with it. Uh, don't be afraid to change because the only thing that's true in this universe is change. Nothing stays constant ever in this universe. And so you don't be afraid of change. Uh, be able to always say something good and think about it before you say it. Because once a word is put into the air, it can, it can be forgiven, but sometimes it's never forgotten if it's negative. Uh, you can't get positive from a negative, and you can only get positive from positive. So if you think it ne negatively, you won't ever get a positive thing from that. Uh, those are kinds of things that I uh, try to, you know, try to live by. Uh, don't be afraid to do anything because you can do anything. Why can you do anything? Because you're you, and you are unique. And there's never been another you on the earth that does everything exactly like you did it, how you did it, and where you did it. So you're very unique and you're very special. Everybody is. It's very special that you're on earth with the other members of the, of the human family. I could have been born in 1920, been here and gone already. Or I could have been born in the year 2055 uh, and not here yet. So you got to always think about where you fit in. You're, you're in a very special place. Everybody on earth is in the same league with you, and they're all living and breathing at the same time. So that's something people don't think about either. So the family that I had, I was more than blessed. A great family. Uh, I didn't create it. It was here, uh, given to me by the man above. And uh, I just try to love and understand as much as I can of the universe I live in. Uh, because every there's, everything is connected to the next thing. There's nothing in this universe is not connected to the something else. Uh, you say, well, it's not, but that's, you know, when you get up in the morning, uh, you do things in the morning, you brush your teeth, comb your hair, et cetera, et cetera. But where I'm going with that is that everybody does probably pretty much the same thing in the morning. You know, you all, you connected to your family member. You connected to your, your, your community. You connected to your country. You connected to the world and the world is connected to the universe there's always can everything is connected and so we need to start to love our fellow man uh, try to take care of our planet as best we can i think we got a, a slippery slope on that one and if we don't the consequences can be dire. Thank you so much for being with us, Sylvester. I'm excited to have you be a part of the Black Writers Workspace and to have you be a part of this week's virtual book fair. To everyone out there, I do encourage you to go out and buy Sylvester's book. You know, that's what this is all about, that we can support one another. Um, I also invite everyone out this Saturday so that you can meet with Sylvester in his booth and get to uh, learn more about his work. Uh, as for now, though, we're going to sign off from the interview. Thank you so much for everything that you've done. I am going to uh, don't leave, but I'm going to take you off the screen for a second. And um, I just wanted to once again, thank you for being part of the interview. Well, thank you for having me. 
So everyone, uh, thank you for joining us for this interview. Uh, Sylvester will be with us this weekend. I hope that you will come out to our event. It's 100% virtual. You can pull it up on your smartphone, on your tablet, on your laptop. All you need is a camera to go into his booth, or if you don't want to turn on a camera, you can always chat with him in his chat box. However, you are there, hopefully, to purchase and to learn about books. Uh, that's what this fair is all about, so that you can fill the stockings of your book-loving friends and family with some books from the Black Writers Workspace. So thank you all for being a part of this interview, and uh, please be sure to drop your questions in the common area.